Gang, we all know that a premium Spotify subscription gives you access to millions of songs and thousands of podcasts, but did you know that a premium Spotify subscription also gets you access to tons of audiobooks for free? It does, gang. Listen to great books like Storyteller, the Dave Grohl memoir, or Life by Keith Richards, or The Woman and Me by Britney Spears. Listen, there's all kinds of books on there. There's fiction, nonfiction, self-help, anything you're looking for, man, they got it, and you can listen to it for free. Just go to Spotify.com or download Spotify from your app store and start listening today. That's Spotify. Millions of songs, thousands of podcasts, and now audiobooks. Available with your premium subscription. Spotify.com. Let's get down. What are they saying on how did I get here? I can fit in anywhere. I mean, really, I feel like if, if there's people in front of me, they're going to like it. You know, like, why am I here? What is my purpose? But yes, we have long hair. Yes, yeah. we smoke pot. But we love this music. The thing was, it was the song. You know, I do say that. You do? Yeah. With that attitude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the minute things get uncomfortable, uh, if I can walk away, I will. Now the most important thing to me are my friendships that I've made and continue to make yeah. in this business. It's just you feel so small and insignificant. What do we define as a professional musician? I could just be playing Tibetan bowls with like random chanting lyrics. <laughs> um, I think some switch had been flipped in me at that point where it was like I was never going back. A naughty nurse, I had Dominique the Dominatrix. You know, these, <laughs> these characters made me a lot of money. Oh, I'm standing up in front of a room full of people demanding that they pay attention to me. Like, if I deconstruct this away from music, it's kind of a weird thing to do, be like, to stand up and be like, hey, everybody, just shut up and listen to what I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> That's How Did I Get Here with me, Johnny Gowdy. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's get down. I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys all had a great weekend, whatever it is you did this weekend, gang. I had a fantastic weekend. I was not playing this weekend, but I hung out with friends and family. My friend Joseph King was in town, the guy that owns Sleepwalk up in, up in Brooklyn. And uh, me and him and our friend Bill went out to dinner one night, had a fabulous dinner, went out and had some drinks, a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. It was great hanging out with Joseph again. My aunt and uncle uh, were in Blanco, and Rosie and I went up to visit them. My aunt and uncle uh, retired a few years ago, bought an RV, and they go out like every, I think every month they go out for a week somewhere. And then once a year they go out for a month. So that's their new groove, right? So they've got this RV lifestyle like down. Me and Rosie went out there for breakfast and to hang out and do some running around outside, which we couldn't do too much outside stuff because it was raining. But... We got to my aunt and uncle's for breakfast into <laughs> their RV and they had the whole thing going, baby. Like my aunt was in the kitchen doing the potatoes and the tortillas on the stove. My uncle Chuck has a griddle outside. He's out there making the eggs and the, and the bacon. And it's like an old factory, a huge meal. They have artwork up there. It's, it's like a, literally they have a home away from home. It's fantastic. A home on wheels. 
but it was great hanging out with them and shooting the shit and doing all that stuff. Then my cousin Emily came and uh, we had a great slumber party. She's working in town this week, so she stayed with me and Rosie. Uh, I made her dinner. I made her some pad thai that I got from Simply Thai. Gang, I don't know if you know about Simply Thai. I'm trying to get them to be uh, uh, to get them to be sponsors of the show because I am ob- obsessed with them. Uh, they're like Thai food cooking kits. You can find them on the weekends at at the. Uh, where did I find them this weekend? I had to go to Lake Line Mall to find them at the at the uh, at the farmers market at Lake Line Mall on Saturdays. At the farmers market at uh, Barton Creek Mall on Saturdays. They even do one in San Antonio, I think, on Sundays. They're at the Mueller uh, Bart, uh, the Mueller Farmers Market on Sundays. Anyway. I got I get their I get their pad thai cooking kits. I've gotten them a couple of times. They're fucking easy to use, super cheap. You just buy your own protein for the dish that you're making and you make it up. They have all, all kinds of curries, all kinds of stuff. Find them at simplythaitx.com cuz they're in Texas and in South Carolina. But they have a brick and mortar store and they also do like uh mailing subscription boxes and you can also find them at these uh at these farmers markets I told you about. Anyway, so I made dinner, we had some drinks, uh, we, we, we played with Rosie, but then we started watching YouTube videos about uh, Taylor Swift, just watching the right meltdown about Taylor Swift, and, and while it's funny, and while it's funny to think that there's people out there saying that the Super Bowl's rigged, and when, the, when they win, they're going to come out on the field and tell everyone that they're endorsing Biden and all this kind of stuff, and people questioning where Taylor Swift came from because all of a sudden they're they're convinced that she just popped up out of nowhere, which is totally insane. Um, anyway, while I was watching all that stuff, you know, I woke up on Sunday and I was just thinking about it and I was like, man, it's funny, but it's really, it's just really kind of crazy that we live in this chaos like this. You know what I mean? And I I, I, I know that there's people that, that there might be somebody that, that believes that listening to this show. Well, look, it's fucking crazy and it's not true. Think about it. It's not true. It's so stupid. Anyway, the fact that people take it so seriously, the fact that people get so riled up and, and, and really just go out against these other, it's just really gotten so crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, oh, the world is just crazy. And a lot of it has to do with this division of this pretty much this one guy was able to really just upset the balance of how things work between all of us anymore. My dad hasn't talked to me since May. My ex-stepmom hasn't talked to me since May. They're all because of, because of like uh, MAGA reasons. that they, I didn't do anything to them. They saw something on television. They got triggered while they were talking to me because I'm the enemy or so they've been programmed. And they came at me and they don't want to have anything to do with me anymore. That's fucking scary, right? I mean, it's my fucking dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, anyway. So uh, that stuff is going on. I thought about the severity of it, how hilarious part of it is. It is, it, there, is there is a part of it that's very funny. And it's funny on the level of if, if you're not going to laugh at it, you might end up crying because it feels like on some ways, sometimes that society is falling apart. And I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade, but I kind of I, I wish we could find a way to restore sanity to our civilization again because it feels like it's kind of gone off the rails and kind of stayed off the rails a little bit. You know what I mean? Now, thank God I play music. I'm really glad that I have music to do. You know, there's still something that's beautiful you can do in this world that doesn't have anything to do with that kind of uh, combative lifestyle that people are starting to live. 
anyway, look, that's my rant. Speaking of music, gang, uh, there's no there's no Happy Land this week. Obviously, uh, the, the the BMI show was happening, but Happy Land is happening for the rest of uh, of February. Happy Land is a band I'm in with Kimmy Rhodes, Gabe Rhodes, uh, Louis Rhodes, Harmony Kelly, and John Chipman. Uh, Sean Pander as well. We all write songs, sing songs. It's super fun. There's lots of harmonies, and there's no, there's no outside world crashing in. Like the the outside apocalyptic world that we live in is not let into the Saxon Pub from six to eight. It's just us being happy and having a great time. Hence the name Happy Land. Come on out and see the show. Resuming Monday, February twelfth, six p.m. for the rest of the Mondays for the month, and then gang, we're taking off uh, until the summer. We're going to work on some releases and work on some singles and work on some new songs and kind of figure out our band stuff. And some people are going out on tour. So we'll be back at the end of the summer. Uh, if you want to catch Happy Land, Mondays, Saxon Pub here in Austin, 6 p.m. Uh, great time. All right. Gang, uh, I want to tell you about another show I'm doing. That's Wednesday, February 7th. This Wednesday, February 7th, my dear old friend, Susanna Chaffel, amazing songwriter, Sun Radio DJ, and cool mom. Hot mom, too, by the way. I don't know if I should say that. That's kind of gross. But she is. She's a hot mom. She's a cool mom. And she's an amazing musician and a great DJ. Uh, she's hosting a songwriter in the round. That's this February. I mean, this this Wednesday, February 7th. Uh, it's going to be Susanna Chaffel, Michael Kincaid from What Made Milwaukee Famous, and Rachel Loy and myself. We will all be trading songs and having a great time. Now, gang, we are all old friends. We all used to play at this club called Momo's that closed down about, uh, shit, 12 years ago now. Uh, probably, you would have seen the same lineup probably on a Wednesday in the aughts or even on a Saturday. Who knows? Anyway, it's going to be great. February 7th, the O4 Center. Uh, you can go to the o4center.com or go to my uh, my thing or I'll I'll put it on I'll post a link to the ticket for the tickets in the text of this podcast so that you can you want to come out to the show see Susanna Schofel, Rachel Loy, Michael Kincaid from What Made Milwaukee Famous and me at the O4 Center on Wednesday, February 7th. You can do that. Okay? Gang, I have a great 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 show for you today. Guitarist, band leader, singer, songwriter, rock and roll machine. James Mastro is my guest on the show today. Now, James Mastro has been the touring guitarist and band leader for such people as Ian Hunter, Patti Smith, Alejandro Escovedo, John Cale, Jesse Mallon, Judy Collins, uh, so many more people. I mean, he is a fantastic, fantastic guitar player who has added so much to so many people and will be on tour with our dear friend Alejandro Escovedo this spring when Alejandro goes on tour. Uh, but James Mastro is releasing a brand new solo album. It's called Dawn of a New Error. That's right, Dawn of a New Error, not Era. Um, it comes out on February 21st on Empress Records. And it is fucking great, dude. This guy's a great songwriter. There's amazing songs out there that you can actually go listen to right now. Right Words, Wrong Song, which has a great video uh, featuring Ian Hunter. And Ian Hunter himself is on the song. But the video is fantastic. Ian Hunter, it it's, it's awesome. And there's a great song called uh, Someone Will Turn Your Head Around. Uh, that's really, really fucking great as well. But the record Dawn of a New Era drops on February 21st. Now, uh, James Mastro, aside from being this amazing guitar player and amazing songwriter, is actually part of this great historical music scene, which was the Hoboken pop scene of the early 80s. He was in a band called the Bongos that I discovered while doing research for this show and fell in love with their record, Numbers with Wings, which came out, like I think, in 1983, because the 40th anniversary uh, release was last year. Uh, but 
but this album is fucking great. We have a great conversation about that Hoboken music scene, about that that music scene that was happening in New York at the time. Uh, the Hoboken scene kind of revolved around this club called Maxwell's, which uh, I had the good fortune to play quite a few times uh, with Gowdy, with Endo Sheen, uh, on a solo tour I did with my friend Taylor Davis. Uh, it's been quite a while since I played there, maybe 16, 17 years. I don't know. I can't remember exactly the last time I played there. But it was a great, great club. Legendary place, Maxwell's, look it up. And the bongos were part of the scene that, that, that was spawned out of there. And, uh, and from there on, James Mastro went on to play with so many different people. So many different people. He had a band called The Health and Happiness Show as well in the 90s that was really fantastic. Uh, he, he, in his teen years, he played with, the, with legendary guitar player Richard Lloyd. And he was in the, in the Richard Lloyd group when he was just 17. So fucking nuts, man. Uh, James is celebrating the release of Dawn of a New Era with a release show on February 21st at Bowery Electric in New York City. So if you live in New York, get out there on February 21st. And he will be going to one of my favorite towns and playing one of my favorite people's gallery. On February 24th, uh, uh, James Mastro will be playing at Transparent Clinch Gallery in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Uh, Asbury Park, New Jersey was introduced to me by the great photographer Danny Clinch and Danny Clinch owns the gallery uh, that James will be playing in so I'm very excited about that I'm a huge Danny Clinch fan uh, amazing photographer go look him up he's fantastic he did uh, the pictures for my band Gowdy uh, for our album Peep Show and then we ended up becoming friends after that it's hard not to be friends with him one of the coolest people in the world but I imagine James uh, and him would get along amazingly alright so I have a fantastic conversation with James and uh, as I said he will be going out on tour with our friend Alejandro Escovedo this spring playing guitar in his band and uh, he said he was coming here for rehearsals and I think we're going to meet up and have a beer so at some point I'm going to get to meet James face to face. This conversation was done over Zoom. You can go to jamesmastro.net for all your James Mastro needs. Dawn of a New Error, that album drops on February 21st. Go check out his singles, Right Words, Wrong Song, and someone, someday someone will turn your head around as soon as you can. All right? So without further ado, this is me and James Mastro chatting it up. Let's get down. How you doing, man? How are you? I'm doing good. Good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm uh, hanging in there. It's been uh, it's freezing. I'm in Austin right now, and it's it's uh, it's like 20 degrees. Yeah, that ain't right. No, no, no. It's very yeah. it's very the end of the world when that happens. It becomes like the apocalyptic tundra. <laughs> Where are you? Are you in New York? I'm in uh, Hoboken. Hoboken. That's right. Yeah. That's a good place. So, uh, yeah, it's cold here. It's about 30 degrees, you know, so, but I know you guys aren't used to that. No, so. that's right. Yeah, we have a handicap. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, uh, really quickly, this album, Dawn of a New Era, is f- so great, man. Like, uh, oh, you are such a fantastic you. songwriter and singer, oh, like these... Uh, it's interesting because the era that you you were spawned out of, uh, 
and the and the musicians that you've played with uh there's so much character when you're singing a song like you you bring so much character to the table in in the same way that like uh alejandro who is a mutual friend of ours uh brings to the table or, or ian hunter who who you were mm-hmm. lucky enough to work with on this record and also in his band as well yeah did those did those uh not that your music sounds like either of those, but the, the, your ability to embody a character and deliver a message is fucking great. Uh, well, thank you, man. Yeah. Why don't we stop now? I, okay. I'm ahead of the game. Good this meeting. Good. You. Talk to you later, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what can I say? I don't consider myself a singer at all, you know, and, and it's one of the reasons why I haven't put out a record in a while. Um, so, you know, you just kind of use what you got, you know, some of my favorite singers aren't considered great singers like Dylan or Lou Reed or, you know, right. But I believe that. That's know? exactly so, right. Yeah. yeah. So I just want people to believe it. That's yeah. All, so. There's that. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I've often thought of like Lou Reed doing one of those cold auditions at American Idol and just how weird that would fucking be. But he's so much better than anyone that's ever walked through those doors, at least as far as I know. But like, right. you know what I mean? That that sort of, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I think that, that when you can deliver a message uh, that in the most beautiful way you can, that's a great singer, you know? Well. Well, thanks. Yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, you know, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're doing a great job. Uh, <laughs> um, so this is your first your first solo album. Yeah, you know, uh, I had uh, in the '90s, I had the Health and Happiness show, and I was really the principal writer there. But it, it was the band, you know. Right. So um, you had something to hide behind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and. But also to bounce ideas off of, sure, you know, sure. if, um, even though I, I was a kind dictator, I think, you know, <laughs> I, I would, I would listen to uh, suggestions where this was, you know, it's definitely much more on my own. Um, Tony Shanahan, the producer who was also in health and happiness show is it, a great sounding board for me. So, um, you know, it just, but not having a band to blame for anything at this point is a little daunting. You know, <laughs> yeah, I get that. Well, I think uh, you'll probably be, I mean, I read some of the press and it's all very good. So you're, at least you'll get a lot of credit. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this. Were you able to record live? Cause there's a real, there's a real feel to this record. Well, uh, uh you know, I mean, there's definitely some production going on there with overdubs and stuff. Um, but some of these takes were definitely live takes. The um, someday someone will turn your head around. Good um, song, by the way. That one was totally, yeah, that was totally live. Um, oh, even the gospel the backing vocals and everything. Well, those we redid okay, after. Okay, we that's did cool. some live. And then we did some after. Yeah. Uh, and my acoustic guitar I did later because we were on the same room. So, and it was just bleeding a little too much. But but that was a live track. So, okay. But the basic um, tracks, for the was, most part, were cut together. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. such a and, great feel and, to it that way. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. 
Uh, well, that, that's that's a testament to the drummers, though. Too, they were, they were every one of them was so good and brought something. And these were done. The basic tracks were done pretty quick. They had, you know, the way we did this record. Tony would call me up and say, "I've got a day in the studio. Let's go. What do you got?" Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'd either finish a song, or you know, come in with them, flesh it out while we were there. So. Tony and whoever was drumming at the time, that was the first time they were hearing it. So there was that spontaneity to it, you know, where, uh, which I think added a lot. You know, know, that's such a, uh, there's something to be said about that. I don't think there's any wrong way or right way, but there's such a great aesthetic to the feeling of a record of people in a room playing together. And sometimes just hearing the song for the first time. I mean, the Beatles even, like when they were making those records, it's not like they went and did pre-production. It's like they went no. in and they're like, what do you got, dude? Here's what I got. All right, yeah. let's go. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you just try not to be too precious about it. You yeah. know, and a lot of my favorite records, you know, early Helen Wolf, Willie, you know, sure. Dylan, Dylan still, three takes supposedly, and he's done. You know, you either get it or you don't. And there's something to that, you know, and, and or you go in now and you'll do a 20 takes of something, but you always say, end up saying, ah, that first take was the best one, you know? So yeah. there's the, something to the, the birth of it. Uh, and flying by the seat of your pants, it sure. lends itself to at least what I like. Well, all of those great records in, in the 60s and even a lot of the ones that were like, you know, singer songwriter records and like, like the, uh, the immediate family guys, the, uh, the wrecking crew, all those guys just showed oh, up yeah. and they're like, Hey, this is the chords, you know? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. They made like 75,000 records that go C a minor F G. Yeah. <laughs> they tried <laughs> to make that great. interesting every time. Yeah. Every, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, w- I want to ask you real quickly cause I think we might have a couple of friends in common. Uh, mm-hmm. do you know, uh, Fred Marr? Fred Marr. He, uh, the drummer. Fred yeah. The Marr. drummer, Fred, the drummer, Fred Marr. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, guy. way back in the day, yes, we, you know, we'd been in rooms and, and talked, but I haven't seen him in years. So, uh, I wouldn't say we were hangout buddies, you know, okay. but, but we're definitely on bills together and, and, you know, it seems like also, I can't remember, was it? Was it Robert Quine that played on with Lou Reed? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so Quine, I kind of you know knew, uh, but Ivan Julian, Richard Hell's other guitarist, right? All my best friends. So, okay. You know, so Quine was you know, I'd meet him if I was hanging out with Ivan. Yeah. Right. Um, another one is I see you're playing on February 24th at uh, Transparent Clinch Gallery in Asbury Park. Mm-hmm. Now, are you buddies with Danny? I know Danny. Yeah. Danny did um, he did the photos for the second Health and Happiness show. The oh, okay. band photos. So, so I've known him since the 90s. He's yeah. a um, uh, great guy. Just, great guy. And one of the best photographers ever. Yeah. So. Yeah, one of the coolest. How do you know him? I I, I was in a band uh, that was uh, we we chose him to do a photo shoot with us in like 1999. But subsequently, I hung out with him quite a bit afterwards. I haven't seen him in well over a decade, but yeah, uh-huh. 
always had mad respect for that guy and he's just such yeah. a cool dude like he's such yeah. a cool dude yep yeah well, anyway if i if he shows up to the show i'll tell him uh, i met you please do i hope he'd remember uh I, i'm also the guy that if he doesn't remember that almost cut his finger off in peter oh. gabriel's loft okay he'll remember that yeah I'm he sure. will remember that he because he said he didn't know whether to help me or take photos of my finger <laughs> Um, all right. So, uh, have, how did music, like you grew up in Hoboken? Are you like a, a lifelong? Uh, I moved to Hoboken when I was 18, right after high school. But, uh, I grew up an hour west of here, of, you know, New York city in Jersey, and Lake of Pacon is the area. And, um, just kind of swampy, suburban, you know, uh, area, you know, uh, but it was a great place to grow up because there wasn't a lot going on, you know, and I wanted things to go on. So, um, and New York was a hour bus or train ride away. So we were always heading into the city to buy records or, or, um, you know, at 16 go see bands and you know and and so it was uh so it was a good place to grow up you know it was a good place to grow up and want to get out of yeah you know? yeah it was um let me ask you did you uh like what was it when you connected with music like what to the point where you would take a bus ride to the city to get an a, an album like what was it that sparked that sort of connection with music for you? Um, well, I was an avid, you know, radio listener and Cream Magazine and Circus Magazine, all those, you know, yeah, the yeah. classic history book. And then behind that was the Cream Magazine that I was really reading in class. Uh, but I had an older brother who, uh, who was also a musician. We were in a band together and he came back one night at, after his first trip to CBGB's and he's like, man, I saw this band. I'd never seen anything like it. They're called the talking heads. And, you know, that just kind of opened the door and we'd been reading about, you know, Ramones and Patty. And, um, so, you know, but him going there just made it seem like totally doable. You know, it, it was real. Uh, whoops. What happened there? Nothing on my end. That's weird. I lost you. It just, I'm only seeing myself, but. Well. Huh. Uh, oh, well. If you do anything visually that I need to see, okay. Johnny, let me know. I will. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. There you are. Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, so from that, it was just, oh yeah, you know, we could jump the bus and go to Bleaker Bob's or, you know, and, and then we, uh, we, I was 16 and started playing CBGBs, you know, so it was, uh, Max's. So it was, uh, like I said, it was an easy place to grow up and do, to jump in and do that, you know? Right. Um, what band was that that you were playing those with? 
it was um, it was a band called Fast Car. So it was uh, me and two other friends from high school, my older brother playing drums. Uh, but it's funny, anytime we try and book a show, they uh, you know we call up, say the name of the band. They're like Fast Car from Boston. They're like, and this was when the cars were oh yeah like <laughs> starting to come. We're like. Yeah, you know, and foolishly we'd be like, no, no, we're from Jersey. We should have just said, yeah, yeah, we're the hem, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. But um, but yeah, we did one little forty-five that uh, I probably still have two hundred copies of somewhere, you know. But um, but it was, you know, it was our gateway to to getting in, and we got the attention of Terry Ork from Ork Records right away, and and that's kind of how I met Richard Lloyd. So. Uh, so just kind of one thing led to the other. Did you, did you know that this was what you wanted to do then you weren't? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a transient thing. You were like, I'm here. This is my fucking no, life. I, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 you know, first time I saw the monkey, I kind of missed the Beatles. Yeah. You know, I was a little too young, but when I saw the monkeys on TV, that was it. You know, that's, I made, Oh, sorry. Uh, I just made people call me Mickey. You know, that was, <laughs> that was my name. So. Yeah. It's funny. That's what I was trying to get at. Cause you seem like you're a little too young for the Beatles on Sullivan being the, 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 uh, yeah. yeah, it wasn't, the, it the wasn't gateway. that. Right. Yeah. You know, but, um, but yeah, just all my money went towards buying records and stuff. And then later guitars and stuff. So. That's amazing. Um, uh, so how did you how did you get with the Richard Lloyd group? Um, well, Terry York and Lenny Kay came down to see our sixteen year old band Fast Car in New York at our first gig, um, and they were the only two people in the audience. And I've reminded Lenny about this many times, but they were great. Like Lenny was hooting and hollering for us, and um, and after that, Terry wanted to do a single with us on Orc Records. And, you know, Orc Records did the first television single, the first Richard Hell single. So, you know, we were chuffed. We were really flattered. Uh, And Terry wanted Richard to produce it. And television was like my favorite band at that point. So we said yes. And then uh, we met Richard and and it was just kind of crazy. Like we didn't understand what he was trying to do production wise with us. And I, I called Terry the next day. I was like, Terry, I, I don't think this is going to work. You know, and partly we were 16. We, the things Richard was asking us to do, we probably weren't capable of at that point musically. Um, so we never ended up doing the single, but six months later, um, uh, Rich, I come home one day and my mom left a note on the steps. Richard Lloyd called and with a phone number. And this was when he had just left television and he remembered me from that, you know, from the meeting we had. And he's like, do you want to play my band? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know? so, so that was, that was it. You know, 17, a junior in high school and driving into CBs and Max's and then getting home in time to, go just back to school. Wow. Did you go on the road then? Uh, We would do, we would do like, you know, East coast stuff. We never, uh, we never made it to the West coast, but you know, East coast and Canada and 
was crazy, you know, just for, and, uh, you know, in a lot of, that was my high school education and it was a good one. You know, like I saw things that most, yeah, people probably shouldn't. Yeah, see yeah, ever. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it scared me straight in a good way. So. Oh, that's good. You didn't just like take your shirt off and jump right in. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, that's good for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I was just thinking? I've had on the show uh, who's fantastic is you know Tommy Price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I imagine you guys were kind of running around in the same scene at the same yeah. time. Yeah. 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 And a great drummer and great yeah. drummer. Great, great dude. Yeah. 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 He so, lives in, he lives in San Antonio now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He actually came well, to I, the apartment. We did this. It was, it was great meeting him and he's, he's been supposed to come in and sit in with a band that I'm in and, uh, and do a Billy Idol song with us. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. He's a great dude. I'll tell him you said hi next time I see him. Please. Um, so, uh, one of the great, one of the great things about doing the research of this is not just getting into, uh, the health and happiness show and into your record and stuff, but also discovering the bongos. I'm a huge, like power pop, early eighties, new wave guy. I'm 55. So that's like the music Mm -hmm. that really like got me into doing this. And this record numbers with wings, which I guess, uh, Sony legacy just reissued the 40th anniversary. That Mm -hmm. record is fucking great, dude. Well, thanks. That's Thank awesome, you. man. Um, again, that was another learning education. Yeah, that was my, the bongos were my college education, but, you know, <laughs> since I never went to college. So it's funny because um, you seem like a college rock band of the time. Yeah. Totally. Well, yeah. you know, much to my parents' chagrin, I never went. And the closest my mom ever got to bragging about me going to school, I remember her hearing her talk to one of her friends like, yeah, Jim's playing at Princeton next week. Like <laughs> that was the closest she got to bragging rights. So, um, so yeah, we played a lot of colleges and, uh, but that was, that band was a true band of, of brothers. You know, that was, uh, we toured nonstop for five years and we started off in a Winnebago and, and just, I've never laughed so much in my life, you know, drove so much of my life and it was great played 250 dates a year kind of thing jesus um did you guys have like videos on mtv or anything we did we were actually uh, you know there not that i would recommend anyone seek them out because they're (laughs) total 80s videos probably the reason why i don't have hair now you know but um uh, but yes, our, our first video for the song numbers was wings was actually, uh, nominated for at the first MTV awards. We were up for an award. Oh no shit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking so, of which uh, to fast forward really fast for just a minute, the right words, wrong song video is great. Uh, well, thanks. Yeah. And, um, yes, uh, someone the other day was like, yeah, it reminds me of like the early days of MTV yeah, videos. Totally. I was like, yeah, you're, I guess you're right. You know, just like just not taking it too seriously. Exactly. That's nice to see too. And that like, you know, going with a, with a low budget sort of vibe, but like going with it yeah. and like committing to it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are committed. You are so. committed. And when Ian Hunter's the weatherman, that's pretty unbelievable. 
Well, I, I can't believe he said yes. You know, <laughs> like, he, he didn't even want to be in his own videos for his new record. So the fact he said yes to me, I was like, oh, I better shoot this quick before he changes his mind. So. What a huge, uh, I bet Alejandro, Alejandro is such an Ian Hunter fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It's, uh, and, and you know, those two have become friends, yeah. which is uh, nice to see. So, Yeah. I have a good friend that's a photographer that took a photo of them together. Uh, do, you, do you ever come down to Austin and hang out? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I was down there in January. Uh, Last year? Well, a year ago. Yeah. And I'm... I'm actually going to be touring with Alejandro in, in April. So oh, really? I'll be down there for rehearsals. So uh, I owe you a beer. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Are you uh, are you coming down for the thing? The aren't they doing like a ACL induction thing? I'm not coming down for that. Okay. Um, he's got the new record coming out, so I'm going to be opening the tour, and then I'm going to be in his band. Oh, that's rad. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, again, that's you know, like hanging with one of my brothers. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And that new record of his is like uh, he went and reinterpreted his old songs for now. Yeah. It's, I, you know, it's really good and, and kind of ballsy, which is what I like about Alejandro. He could easily do the same record every time and people would love it. But he always trying to do something different you know yeah yeah and also easily um he's a guy that i i don't you know he's a few years older than you too right mm-hmm. so yeah the, he's a guy that you can look up to and realize that you 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 can do this like you can get older and get better and stay cool without looking like an asshole you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, that's a, that's a tough I, thing to do as you get older. That's my goal in life, is not to <laughs> yeah. look like an asshole. That's it. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, you don't want to be goofy or, you know what I mean? Or or even yeah. like, uh, whatever happens to like, oh, all of a sudden like, oh, yeah, uh, this is uh, Jim Mastro doing the American Songbook. You know, even that <laughs> kind of stuff where you're like, really? <laughs> stay, staying creative and staying engaged, like, how how... How have you done that? Like, what what has kept you well, interested? I've been lucky to play with great people. You know, I, I really have. And playing with the people that inspired me to play in the first place. You know, Mata Hoople as a, was my band as a kid. That's who I loved, you know. so um, And Ian is is really the quintessential, like, if if there's any whiff of, inauthenticity to it or you know he's got such a strong bullshit meter he'll just walk away and yeah there's a good lesson to be learned there you know and and uh he's not afraid to say no you know which is uh, you know a lot of times you feel as a musician because it's not, it's not an easy life you feel like okay well if i just say yes to this one thing i'll get to this next level but at what price you know so um so I've had some good mentors. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to quickly just list off for the listeners. Um, James has had the, has had the honor and, uh, and pleasure of getting to play with Patti Smith, Ian Hunter, Judy Collins, John mm-hmm. Cale, the Jayhawks, Alejandro Escovedo, Garland Jeffries, 
Jesse Mallon, and uh, you did a you were musical director for a benefit with uh, for Robert Plant with Robert. You were Robert Plant's yeah. musical director. Wow, shit. Yeah, that was amazing. That was kind of surreal, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This was a, a benefit for Arthur Lee, the lead singer of Love, right. who uh, was very ill in the mid 2000s. Um, so a friend of mine was organizing a benefit concert at the Beacon Theater, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm trying to get Robert Plant. Would you want to be his band?" And I was uh, Ian's band, the Ramp Band, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, of course, you know." Um, so one day the phone rings and this is when you would still answer your phone and right. <laughs> and there's hello James this is Robert Robert Plant and I'm like looking at the phone but and he passed all these security questions so it was him um, and, you know so and we right away he's like well what song should we do and he, he's like do you know that song uh you know, the crunch. I'm like, yes, of course I, you know, he's naming all these Led Zeppelin songs. Like, do you know this one? I'm like, yes. So, um, and he was great. I mean, uh, and, uh, a, not only a great singer and performer, but a great guitar player. Oh, really? I never knew. And like when we first went into rehearsal, he picked up a guitar and started playing. and, And I'm like, no, I, I didn't know you play guitar. And he's like, yeah, Jimmy wouldn't let me, you know, he's like, you're the singer, you just sing, you know, but, um, so that was great, you know, and there was a lot of panties flo- thrown up on stage <laughs> that night for him. Even at his age, he still had that power over the audience, you know, and, um, a, really a, a highlight in my life, you know? Yeah. So. That's really amazing. All right, so one more thing I want to go back to. Uh, uh, in the way it's written about the bongos is that there was a Hoboken pop scene of the 1980s. What was that? Who else was in it? Uh, well, uh, other bands include the Feelies. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who were fantastic. And they, they were, you know, they started in the mid-70s, 76, 77, and I knew about them then, and then they ended up being associated with the Hoboken scene. Were the Smithereens uh, the from there? Oh, yeah, the DBs. I'm sorry? The Hoboken? DBs who are from North Carolina, but they all moved up here so and lived in Hoboken. Um, and it was it was all based around this club, Maxwell. Yeah, yeah, was, I played there. Yeah, and I used to live upstairs for Maxwell. So oh, no was, shit? Uh, yeah, it was so it was very convenient, and um, and it was just you know like kind of like Max's Kansas City or CBGBs, you know, that, where that was your ground zero for a club. Maxwell's, you know, as more and more bands came, the scene got bigger. It spread to Hoboken, and just the owner Steve Fallon just nurtured so many young bands and uh, gave them a chance to play and. And, you know, R.E.M.'s first gigs up up north were here, oh, really? you know, Maxwell's and, uh, you know, Nirvana passed through. Everybody played there, you know, and it was just, they treated musicians well. It was a small room, but people would come and see you, you know, it was just. Yeah. Uh, 
So I was kind of lucky enough to be, you know, in that CB scene and then have it replaced and, and be a part of the, the Hoboken scene too. So. Yeah. You know, I, I think the last time I played there was in 2006, but I was trying to remember, I was talking to someone about this a, a couple months ago. Uh, I felt like Maxwell's when I, when I, when I played there in the, in, in 2000, I played there a couple times. I feel like either that time or in 2006, but I feel like it was in 2000. They were doing live streams of shows or like they, some they kind of may have, they, they switched owners for a little bit. And, um, I think the new owners may have been trying that. Like there was never even a TV at the, at Maxwell's right. for years, you know? Um, but I think the new owners tried it and then one of the original owners came back and I don't remember any live streams, but I could be wrong, you know? Okay. Anyway. Um, all right. I just, I was curious about that Hoboken pop scene and, and that it was kind of like Maxwell's was the place that did it. And I, I really loved the vibe of that place. That room was fantastic to fucking play. Yeah. 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 And I, and you know, no, no, go ahead. Hoboken was like the Lower East Side, New York, where when it started out, it was very affordable to live, you know, so that's going to nurture musicians and artists. So if you saw someone walking around town in a black leather jacket, you knew you'd see them that night at Maxwell's because yeah. there was nowhere else to go. Right. You know? So it was a great little community. You know? Yeah. So um, you, you, you said the bongos was around for five years. Mm-hmm. So then at the end of those five years, you guys broke up and that's when you kind of started going off being a band leader and yeah. guitar player for people. Yeah. I started playing with other people, uh, had a, a band of my own for a little bit, uh, that didn't really record. Um, uh, and then started health and happiness show in 1990. So okay. Those five years I was like, playing with Chris Stamey and people like that. Yeah. Um, Those, uh, I listened to uh, the health and happiness show too. Those songs are just fucking great songs, man. You are such a great songwriter. Well, thank you. Yeah, man. Um, So that band, you guys toured a lot around the world. You toured with a lot of big bands. Well, we were were States. We never crossed, uh, never crossed the ocean, but yeah, we also toured a lot. You know, and um, again, lucky to play with some great bands, Wilco and Golden Smog and uh, Butch Hancock yeah, yeah. from uh, Texas. We were his band for a while. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really great. And uh, and Richard Lloyd returned the favor, and he was a member of Health and Happiness Show for a while. And he was, when we did the tour with Butch, Richard was in the band, and Butch had never come across anyone like Richard before. And, like, and those two just total opposites, but they hit it off so well. And it was just Butch would push Richard to go as insane as he could. And he, and he did. And it was exciting every night. I talk about songwriters. Butch Hancock is one of the best. So. Oh yeah. That's, is there any recordings of that band playing with Butch? Like, is there a live uh, record or anything? Li- probably some live bootlegs out there, but we never did any studio stuff. So. 
Richard Lloyd playing, uh, have you ever seen Dallas from a DC nine at night would be pretty fucking. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was great. Yeah. That's awesome. And what amazing experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been lucky. I count myself lucky. Yeah. Um, are you like, uh, as a songwriter, are you, uh, are you are you like a daily guy? Do you have a regimen, or do you just kind of when you're yeah, hungry just, you eat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, pick up a guitar, and if something comes right away, I'll I'll start working on it. But I don't I don't have a regimen. And uh, Ian, every day he has a time where he goes down and works on a song, and and I admire that discipline. You know, but. Um, for me, it's kind of like if it's there and if I remember it the next day, then it's worth pursuing, you know. So. Yeah. It's pretty risky, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's just songs like that. There's a song, uh, My God, on here that is just like, it's a gorgeous mm. poem that sounds like a guy that really has written a, a shitload to get to a point where well, he can express himself so eloquently like that. Well, well, thank you. And, uh, you know, I got to say, when I wrote that song, I was so on the fence about it because I didn't know if it was too stupid or too childlike or, you know, it just seemed like such an obvious point to make. Why should I have to make it, you know? Um, And that's, I rarely do this, but that was one I bounced off of Patty Smith, I sent her the lyrics for it. And I said, "What do you think of this?" And she was like, "Go with it." So that that gave me the courage to kind of finish it, you know. And and um, so she probably doesn't even remember me, you know, influencing <laughs> it. But but um, but thank you. Yeah, it's it's a like I said, it's a, it seems like a simple enough song, but. I wish I didn't have to write it. Isn't that funny? I wonder, it's, it's funny because to me, like you're taking such a grand and abstract concept and really being able to explain what it is to you. You know what I mean? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty hard thing to do and to make it like, like a poetic, like you did. I guess that seems simple to you because, I don't know. It's weird. It's like saying, uh, you know, I love you in a song. Well, obviously it's been said in so many songs, but it still means something when you say it, you know? Right. right. Well, you really hit the nail on the head with this one. Um, Your, how, how is Jesse Mellon doing? Um, uh, He's doing better. He, you know, he's still got a long road, uh, I had him, yeah. but he, he is one of the toughest motherfuckers I have ever met, you know, and, um, he'll beat this, you know, and he's, yeah. um, he's been getting some serious treatments and people have been very generous in helping him. So, uh, that's great. So he's definitely shown some, some improvement that I don't think they expected. That's great, man. I've uh, yeah. I've gotten to meet him a couple of times, and and he is uh, a really nice guy, generous with his uh, energy. I would say in a way that he didn't seem like like if you see him walking towards you, you don't think he's going to be that generous with his energy, but he is. Right. And that was a that was a nice surprise. He's a kind person, as far as I know. 
uh, and that was a sad thing to read about. Yeah, uh, you know whose whose spine has a stroke. How <laughs> crazy shit! But, I know. But he is so supportive of musicians in New York, and he's helped so many people. So that, many. Uh, he's generated a lot of love, so it's it's good that's coming back to him. Yeah, so. this is like one of those things that makes you believe in karma because he has put out a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of good out there, and it's it is coming Absolutely. back to him in a great way. Yeah. Um, you recorded a song for. Did Ian Hunter record a song for it? Am I right? Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a, a benefit album coming out for Jesse. Uh, should be soon, I think, um, where artists are covering his songs. And Lucinda and I think Blondie, and they asked Ian uh, to do it. So we did, uh, we did, uh, it'll come to me. It's one that Jesse and Lucinda wrote together. Um, and just Ian nailed it. I mean, just as he, you know, we, we sat down and we're listening to Jesse's songs. And as soon as he heard this one, he's like, I'm doing it. And Johnny, it's killing me that I can't remember it. It's um, okay. Maybe it's in front of you there. I don't know. But, no, um, I was doing that from memory. Yeah, that's why I was kind of uh, like, like a tentative while I was asking, is it Ian Hunter? Because <laughs> he was on so right. much different stuff. Um, well, uh, people can keep up with that. Just, you know, you can follow Jesse Mountain. I'm sure uh, you'll have it on your website, uh, jamesmastro.net. Yeah. Um, you're playing a show, doing your big release show, and that's going to be full band. That's February 21st at the Bowery Electric in New York City. Um, yep. the rest of the shows like the transparent clinch gallery show is that with a full band? Uh, that is. Yeah. And, um, I'm hoping to do maybe one or two more in the area before I leave to go on tour with Alejandro. Um, Alejandro, I'll probably open those shows acoustic or if some friends are in town, I'll invite them up. And so I have someone else to blame for the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I look for, I mean, hopefully you guys will be doing some of those shows here like that where you're playing with them. Oh, I'm sure we will. Okay. And that's in the spring, in April, you said? Uh, it starts in April. Okay. So. Um, are you coming down to do any South by Southwest stuff for the record or anything? Uh, I might be, you know, I'm, uh, Alejandro, um, if you know, he does, he does that Sunday. With the Continental. Yeah. So I may come down for one of those. So. Well, maybe I'll meet you there. Um, Dude, this yeah. has been great talking to you and uh, and thank you for this record, Dawn of a New Era, which by the way, once again, that's a great name for a record. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, it's a gorgeous record. Uh, the It'll be available on uh, February 21st and the singles, by the time this comes out, right word, so wrong and someday someone will turn you away. We'll, uh, we'll turn your head around. Someday sorry. someone will turn, turn your, your head, head around. around. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, That comes out tomorrow, actually. Yes. Yeah, so it'll be yeah. out by the time this is out. But, man, it's been great okay. meeting you, and um, I'll stay in touch with Same you and, uh, and probably surprise you at one of those Alejandro things. Oh, good. Heckle. Yeah. Please heckle. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. But, yeah, I'll be there. Right. <laughs> nice right. to meet you, man. Thanks, John. Take care, buddy. That was James Mastro. His new album, Dawn of a New Era, drops 
on February 21st. If you live in New York City, you can see him on February 21st at Bowery Electric, where he will be playing his uh, his release show, his record release show. If you live in Asbury Park, New Jersey, February 24th, he will be at Transparent Clinch Gallery. All right, go to James Mastro for all of your James Mastro needs. Also, check him out playing guitar with Alejandro Escovedo this spring when he is out on tour. Okay? Okay. Okay. I want to thank James for doing the show. That was great. Check out the bongos, man. That record, Numbers with Wings. I'm not joking, man. It's fucking great. It's fucking great. Don't forget I'm playing this Wednesday with my dear old friend Susanna Chauffel, Rachel Loy, and Michael Kincaid from What Made Milwaukee Famous. This Wednesday, February 7th at the O4 Center here in Austin. I've never played there before. I'm excited to go there. Hey, if you're just listening to this show, you're getting into it. Uh, James's music is going to come back up in a second. <laughs> you can uh, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, man. Find it. New shows every Tuesday, every Friday from the Vault episodes dropping all the time. Have a great week, whatever it is you're doing. Let's get down. Same again.